0: episode of The Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. Hey, my name's Mike. Hey, Mike.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate you.
0: You are welcome. It's good to have you as a guest today on our show.
1: Hey, I prefer the guest spot. It's less pressure. It's, you know, a lot of things, eyes looking at me, ears listening to me. You know, now I can just kind of comment here and there and, and do my thing, you know, instead of uh, having to worry about that. And usually when I do my my cases, I am going on like three or four hours of sleep. So Yes,
0: because um, you're a procrastinator.
1: Yeah, and that's uh, that's okay. And that's okay. I'm trying to think like the Saturday Night Live um, you do know. you boo yeah that's what i'm gonna do it works for you yeah so we're a married couple and uh, we talk about true crimes over some coffee usually i have my uh, cold brew over here made it all myself at the keurig and in, you're doing caffeine kitchen. today uh no no okay. decaf yeah afternoon typically i'd like to do the decaf
0: i was gonna say we don't want to keep you raving all night
1: no no i mean i don't need any help staying up late at night i need to go to sleep earlier
0: yeah, I don't know how you do it because I'm an early bird.
1: It's just like I feel like a, I like to get alone time, you know, at the end of the night, like kids are kind of doing their thing and then you're sleeping and just kind of decompress kind of sitting there a little bit. Not that, you know, the, you are stressful or
0: well, our kids are pretty laid back, too. So it's not like when they were little, little, I could get that. Yeah,
1: they're 13 and 10. So but, it's not like they're three and five or something. And it's like all day long. Remember those days?
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I I, re- I remember saying, when will I ever get to have a hot cup of coffee?
1: Oh, my God, you did say that
0: because i used to have to you know we had a one-year-old and a four-year-old i used to have to reheat our coffee like my coffee over and over again yeah and now i'm like guys come spend time with me and now they'll
1: even have coffee with us sometimes Yeah, exactly yeah and then the one's asking for starbucks all the time all not the time
0: but yeah like her dragon drink or her pink drink i'm like you are like Breaking the bank here, sister.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Um, hey, if you're listening to this and you appreciate what we do, please leave a five star uh, review with some words over on um, uh, uh, Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate it very much. It helps us. It's completely free to you. I mean, you already have your $1,000 iPhone. May as well go ahead and click a five star review and say, great couple podcast, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah, you we could, would
0: appreciate it. Yeah,
1: very much appreciated. Um, and uh, it helps us grow uh, exponentially here. So,
0: yeah, give us a rating, maybe tell a friend, that sort of thing really helps us out.
1: Mm hmm. So anything else uh, to cover today?
0: No, I don't think so.
1: Okay. Yeah. It's short and sweet.
0: Yeah. So we're going to get right into it. So this is the disappearance of Alyssa Turney.
1: Alyssa Turney. Yes. Okay.
0: So in the United States, approximately 840,000 children are reported missing each year, which equates to about 2,300 per day. Worldwide, about 8 million children are reported missing each year. Less than 1% are taken by someone they don't know. are runaways, and um, family abductions make up for about 5% of missing children.
1: Okay. Repeat the first part to me.
0: So, 91% or less than 1% are taken by someone they don't know. So, Meaning
1: 99% are taken by somebody they know. Yes. Okay. And Um, and 1%, a small, small percentage, are taken by somebody they don't know.
0: And 91% of kids that are reported missing are actually runaways. Okay. And then family abductions make up for about 5% of missing children.
1: Okay. And family. So I wonder what the others, somebody they know. Yeah,
0: exactly. And it was really weird because as I was doing this research, an Amber Alert came through my phone. Oh, yeah. So it was just odd timing that...
1: Now, maybe I'm a dick. I always want to turn off the Amber Alerts because they're so annoying, but at the same time, you know, somebody's looking for their kids. So right. the least I can do is, is look at my message while I'm checking Twitter and Instagram and stuff, you know. So it's it's Yeah, those because things.
0: kids are found that way. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So. I, though The problem is that most times I get it, and it's like something from like, you know, four hours away.
0: Yeah, this one was. It was Jupiter, Florida, which is on the other side of the state. Like near Miami. Yeah, so that mean. but then we don't know. Are they heading up this way? Right. Who knows? Keep your eyes peeled. So it's Worth looking at, absolutely. But an FBI report from the last ten years indicated that less than three hundred and fifty children were abducted annually by strangers. Obviously, stranger danger is something that's very scary, especially if you watch scary movies, you listen to true crime store uh, stories. You just assume like your kid's going to get snatched off the street. In
1: three hundred and fifty, you know, while a percentage wise it's very small, it's still a, a significant amount of people and yes. kids being taken by yeah, exactly. people they don't know at all. Three hundred fifty around the U.S.
0: But of the 840,000 that are reported
1: yeah like I said very you know, small percent very
0: small percentage but still scary nonetheless like you said 7.57 yeah. percent of children that are abducted by strangers make it back home and the first three hours are the most critical
1: so only 7.57 percent yes that's crazy Yes. so
0: <sighs> not good statistics so your
1: kid is taken by a stranger it's not a good chance of no. getting them that no. sucks so bad
0: not at all and again the first three hours are the most critical um, 71% of non-family abductions happen outside during the early morning or afternoon, typically when a child is walking home from school. Um, and two-thirds of victims are females, and pretty much every single f- stranger abduction is ha- is um, the perpetrator is a male.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you say a kid was taken, you automatically picture a male yeah. know, coming and snatching them.
0: And I, going back to that first three hours being so critical, in 74% of abductions, Um, The murder cases, the children were harmed or murdered within the first three hours, 74%. Yeah, I mean, they have
1: bad intentions. So the sooner you can get to them, I mean, that's kind of common sense, but at the same time, yeah, time is of the essence.
0: Exactly. So I'm only going through these quick statistics just so you kind of have a feel for what the numbers actually look like.
1: And I'm guessing this has something to do with a child.
0: It Well, it's seven, a 17-year-old. Oh, so okay. yes, it is a child.
1: Wow, interesting. So see, on, you, you don't think of that typically because even, you know, 17, 18, like if your kid's old enough, 13 or 14, you're like, oh, they're fine walking home from school. Right. You but know? you'll
0: see that the story is a little deeper than that. Okay. Okay. So on May 17th, 2001, it was the last day of school for 17-year-old Alyssa Turney. It was her junior year at Paradise Valley High School in Paradise Valley, Arizona. At the time, she was living with her stepfather, Michael Turney, and her half-sister, Sarah Turney. So in 1987, when Alyssa was three, her mom, Barbara Stram, met Michael. He was a deputy for the Maricopa County, Arizona Sheriff's Office in the 1970s. When the two met, Barbara was getting over a difficult marriage that she had had with Alyssa's dad. Barbara viewed Michael as basically this man who swooped in. It was her knight in shining armor. The two quickly got married. Alyssa, at the time, had an older brother, and Michael had three sons. And neighbors kind of viewed them as the Brady Bunch. It was, you know, two kids on one side, three on the other coming together.
1: Combined family.
0: Exactly. And then in 1988, Barbara and Michael had their own child together. And then this was Sarah.
1: Okay.
0: So um, the family didn't like to use the word step, like stepbrother, stepfather, etc. And Michael officially adopted Alyssa at some point in the marriage. Nice. So things began to change, though, when Michael left his electrical job, and then a few years later, things took an even darker turn when Michael shattered his knee. I guess he was up on the roof, and someone was holding the ladder, and the ladder slipped, and it came down on his knee and basically shattered it.
1: Now, did you say Michael was the former sheriff? Yes. Okay. Yes. And so at this point, he was out of the whole sheriff business and doing things like slipping off of ladders. Right. Okay.
0: So people don't even really recall that with this injury, but I did read the word that his kneecap shattered.
1: That's supposed to be a terrible injury,
0: by the yes, way. Yes, and, and, and I'm sure it is. They did say, though, from what I read... I didn't even see him in a cast, and yet he never worked again. Oh. So it was kind of alluded to the fact that... Trying to
1: get some insurance money perhaps, or
0: Perhaps, but I don't ever like to Allegedly. make assumptions. Allegedly. You know, because like you said, if your kneecap shatters, it couldn't be a good thing. Yeah. Um. So he always had also, on top of that, he had issues with mental health. And I guess a condition of his disability was that he had to go to counseling and therapy. So he did see a therapist twice a week based on his disability that he was receiving.
1: Very very. Important to go see a professional for any kind of mental things.
0: A hundred thousand million percent agree with that. Let's
1: let's make sure that stigma is no longer there.
0: There should be no shame associated with seeking mental health um and help. And then if you need medication, you shouldn't be ashamed that you have to take medication to make yourself you know feel better.
1: Yeah, we know uh, some people in our family that are against any kind of like mental medications. It's like "Eh, there's a reason it's out there and it's proven helpful for a lot of people. if you
0: could bring brightness into somebody's life why wouldn't you do it right at least try it exactly so when Alyssa was nine and Sarah was four Barbara sadly died from lung cancer. Uh, She battled the illness for less than two years and she was only 34 when she died.
1: Oh, it's young. And I was I was hoping there wouldn't be a divorce or something because they were supposed to be the Brady Bunch.
0: Right, and there wasn't. It it ended in death. So Sarah said that her father went into a deep depression after her mother passed and became a person that her older brothers really no longer recognized. So it truly affected him after his wife passed away.
1: Wow. The big time, you know, life partner that he pictured being with forever, and then he loser at 39 she was only Four? 34 oh that's yeah. tough
0: so as time went on Alyssa started working at a fast food restaurant which I know very well because it's one of my dad's favorite when we go out west jack-in-the-box
1: uh-huh he always gets a taco for the baby yes
0: he's very big on the jack in the Box. I
1: guess there was a commercial that said and a taco for the baby yeah. so he always says taco for the baby
0: so according to her sister Sarah um, Alyssa was a dedicated employee she never missed a scheduled shift she loved getting out of the house earning extra money to save for her future and also use it as a social platform. She, you know, was a very big social butterfly, probably loved her fellow employees, as well as dealing with the public.
1: I'll tell you, any youngsters out there, if you're looking to meet people, getting a job is absolutely important. Uh, that's where I met you. It's exactly where we met. At a bagel met. shop. Mm-hmm. You know, I just kind of wanted some extra scratch to be carrying around, be able to buy my own gas and stuff like that. And, you know, met you. I wanted to meet a bunch of girls, wanted to date every single one of them. And it turned out dated you and it was um you know the end of, end of my life as far as i knew it
0: in a good way mike the uh, end of your life or the beginning of your the life?
1: end of my life as i knew it yes yeah and then now i mean it depends on the date you ask me
0: yeah but we really did get a good group of friends working in that environment so, so I, don't,
1: I don't blame Alyssa for going out and meeting some friends that way
0: yeah it's a win-win situation like you said extra cash plus friends so she she loves socializing um she was didn't exactly love school but she got mostly good grades i guess she had a d in physical education but other than that she did pretty well she skipped sometimes
1: some people just don't like it you know kind of like art if you think art is just stupid and it's not you know something important in your brain or p.e maybe it's like this is stupid i hate sports why should i do well
0: right so she was described as brave strong outgoing willing to do anything for anyone She was caring, fun, sarcastic, and energetic. And I did watch a bunch of home movies from her. And you could absolutely tell that all of this was true. She had a big voice in the room. Like
1: star of the show kind of thing. Absolutely. And demanded the attention. Yes. Yeah.
0: Very much so. So she loved listening to Marilyn Manson. She loved to doodle in her notebook. Marilyn she, Manson. So was she goth? She liked. Um, no, she she did like Limp Biscuit Tool, things Ooh, like that. She's
1: right up my alley.
0: Yeah. But she, she dressed, you know, not goth or anything like that.
1: I love all those bands.
0: But she wrote in like the bubble letters in her notebook. And
1: you wouldn't expect that from somebody who likes Marilyn. manson and corn and tool
0: it was cute though (laughs) i don't i didn't see corn oh not corn
1: i'm gonna assume that i'm just gonna assume because she likes limp biscuit
0: she wore a wrist full of bracelets each with its own story about how she got it and who it was from Alyssa loved kids she knew that one day she wanted to be a mom and she was also taking child development classes in school So Sarah wrote a blog post about Alyssa in 2019. She described Alyssa as more than just her sister. She was the closest thing she had to a mother since Sarah was so young when her mother did pass away. She said that Alyssa would nag her, she would suggest that she do more with her hair, but the two decorated for the holidays together, and their love was persistent and unconditional. She said even when they fought, Sarah knew that Alyssa loved her and that the anger would subside. So on Alyssa's last day of junior year, Michael dropped her off at school, as he always did. But this day, he picked her up early so that the two could go for lunch. According to Michael, during lunch they got into an argument. Alyssa was wanting more freedom, and he told her, "As long as you're under my roof, you're going to have to check in with Daddy because Daddy is a nervous wreck if you don't."
1: Uh-huh. Well, and part of it too, know, yeah, He doesn't want to lose anybody else, and I'm sure he's always just overprotective. You right. know, He he lost his wife and her mom, and you know he just doesn't want. He wants to have more of that control because he feels his life might be out of control. You know, I'm no psychologist, but that seems like mm-hmm.
0: that would make sense. So he claimed that when he got home, Alyssa basically jumped out of the car, stormed into the house and went to her room. He headed out. He went to pick Sarah up at school. It was her last day of seventh grade. She had been at a water park for the day. Um, They took a field trip, but he was getting her at school. And Sarah said she didn't notice anything different or unusual about her dad's behavior that day. She said that he was late in picking her up to the school, so she walked over to a really close friend's house that lived right by the school. She called him from there to let him know where she was. Sarah said that Michael continued to call Alyssa on her Nokia phone, but he couldn't get a hold of her. She said he was frantic about it, but that wasn't really unusual. She said, my dad always wanted to know where Alyssa was and what she was doing. Hmm. My dad was often frantic about Alyssa. Years later, it dawned on Sarah that something actually was strange. She didn't see it at the time. Oh,
1: no, you're not going in a bad area, are you?
0: I might be going in a bad area, but we'll see. Um, so looking back on it, she said, despite being only 12, she was smoking cigarettes that day when her dad picked her up at a friend's house.
1: Yeah. Kids today. I I know.
0: She's like, I know it's not right for a 12 year old to smoke, but I was, and I guess Michael had very little rules for Sarah. As many as he had for Alyssa, he had little to none for Sarah.
1: That's insane.
0: But one of Sarah's rules was you are not to smoke because Barbara was a smoker and Barbara died of lung cancer.
1: Sure. But what about Alyssa? I, I mean, don't know. Literally all day long. If I'm Sarah, I'm saying, what about Alyssa? What about Alyssa? Granted, in our well, house... Well, no,
0: nobody was allowed to smoke. Okay. That was... The, well, sure, sure, The point is Sarah had no rules. Alyssa had all the rules. R-
1: oh right right okay oh, i'm i guess the other way around like what about you know, i found melissa i might be asking well sure you,
0: you would think you would ask that granted there was an age difference so sure. it was seventh grade compared to junior year of high school so you would
1: think more rules for the younger one rather than
0: i mean the other way the around. younger one is normally not getting into as much right mischief as an older one
1: not as much freedom
0: exactly gotcha. so that could be why so um It dawned on Sarah, though, that despite the fact that she was literally just smoking a cigarette before her dad picked her up, she was convinced when she got into the car that her dad would smell it on her, call her out, and then ground her. She looked back and thought he never said a word about it. Mm. And she said it was impossible that he wouldn't have smelled it on her, especially because he was so hyper aware of... The potential for smoking
1: yeah and if you're a non-smoker you know that you can smell smoke like right, immediately right I, you know, you and i don't have super sensitive smell maybe you do but anytime i'm near a smoker i can smell it like within 10 feet
0: probably. oh i can yeah like a, there was a guy walking into work the other day and he was probably 10 feet ahead of me and i, I knew he had just smoked right it was that pungent. Even
1: when they talk to you, you can smell it on the breath. and yeah. But n- Michael no right didn't away. pick up on that. Interesting.
0: So Michael asked Sarah to call Alyssa, but she didn't pick up. When Sarah went into Alyssa's room, she found that she had left a note on her dresser. It read, Dad and Sarah, when you dropped me off at school today, I decided that I really am going to California. Sarah, you said you didn't want me around. Look, you got it. I'm gone. That's why I saved my money. Dad, I took $300 from you. So she basically ended the note there.
1: So she didn't have a good relationship with Sarah?
0: It sounded like it was a typical teenage relationship where it's like, I love you, I hate you, I hate you, I love you. And
1: obviously Sarah is jealous of Alyssa a little bit.
0: Right? Um, I didn't Maybe get that- anything about Why would you think Sarah would be jealous of Alyssa? Alyssa has all these rules on yeah, her, Sarah does not.
1: The dad pays a lot of attention to her. it sounds like.
0: I mean, it's not good attention right. from what I'm gathering. Yeah, okay. So... My whole thing was, is that it's a typical teenage sibling relationship. Yeah. They were very close, but they butted heads and fight it or fought, fight it. They fight it. <laughs> they fight it. Sometimes they <laughs> Me fight Me and my sister fight it too. Right. <laughs> so it, it's very normal for siblings to to have that love-hate relationship, but ultimately sure. it's love. Right. So the other thing that was strange was that Alyssa's room was normally extremely neat and tidy. But on this day, the backpack was like spilled over. All the contents were kind of strewn about the room. So that was something weird. Um, And then in terms of that letter, at one point, it was analyzed and it was determined that it was Alyssa's handwriting. I guess she had pretty distinctive handwriting to handwriting to begin with. It was neat and it had overly, they said basically unnecessarily big loops in the A's. Hmm. So it, it was determined that she had written the note, but they couldn't tell when did she write it. As Sarah called Alyssa again, she noticed that her phone was buzzing on the dresser, so Alyssa hadn't taken her cell phone with her. Alyssa being gone was also strange because, of course, it was the last day of school. There was a lot going on. She had made plans to go to a party that evening with her friends, and it wasn't something that... Oftentimes, Alyssa wasn't allowed to go to parties because her dad was so strict. So she was going to go to this party, and it was very unlike Alyssa to you know just go away and not show up to a party so that was something that kind of stood out but at the same time Sarah's young she's ending seventh grade she said she was not overly concerned Alyssa had threatened running away in the past and she figured that her sister would be back soon so she kind of didn't really stress about it A few weeks before Alyssa went missing, Mike had contacted Alyssa's Aunt Lynette, who was Barbara's sister. He told her that Alyssa was kind of getting herself into trouble. She started smoking pot, and he was wondering if she could go and stay with Lynette during the summer. Lynette agreed. She said that would be fine. She did find it unusual that Michael was calling because apparently after her sister passed away, she had very little contact with Michael. So Mm. it seemed out of the blue that he was calling. A little unusual. Yes. And it also kind of seemed like he was surprised when she agreed and said yes. Huh. And everything was fine. They ended the call. And then not long after, he called back and said, you know what? I'm not going to need your help after all. So... After everything was said and done, of course, at this time, Alyssa's fine and well. But after Alyssa went missing, Lynette kind of thought it was strange. She thought maybe Michael was like using that as just like a ruse as a setup that, oh, Alyssa ran away.
1: Well, like, why would the guy he never calls me and then all of a sudden out of the blue, he calls me. And asks about Alyssa coming over and then says no. And then Alyssa's gone. Right. Like, this is weird. Just too many things that don't add up.
0: Exactly. It was just, it was too uncharacteristic in, in a f- several ways. And
1: maybe it's nothing, but you got to talk about it because it could be something.
0: Right. Like. And she started to suspect after the fact that maybe he didn't want Alyssa to come to her and because she might confide in her about certain things that were going on in the house. And
1: that's all, yeah, you know, just projection. It's she doesn't know. It's speculation. She yeah. doesn't
0: know. So the weird thing is, though, is that when Michael did end up reporting Alyssa missing, he said, I think she ran away. I think she went to her aunt's house in California.
1: And maybe he was talking to Alyssa about going there at the same time. You know, so maybe she got an idea and she did say California. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you go see your family?
0: Exactly. So but the point is he reported her missing but said, oh, she ran away. Yeah. So basically police weren't concerned they went with the idea that Alyssa was a runaway so there was absolutely no investigation into Alyssa's disappearance plus
1: she's 17 right she's
0: 17 she's not an adult no
1: but at the same time you know as it's not the same as like a 10 year old writing a thing i'm gonna run away right you know she's definitely a minor but you're like okay well she's 17 almost 18 probably took a you know she can drive there's a lot of ways she can go maybe she's blowing off steam and coming back whatever
0: so um there was no interviews conducted with family or friends there was no Amber Alert, and there were no questions as to why Alyssa hadn't touched the $1,800 she had saved in her bank account, mm-hmm. which if you're running away from home, you're going to take all your resources. And
1: as a youngster, $1,800 is a lot.
0: It is. And if you're going to stay with your aunt, you don't have to pay for room and board. It gives you the money to kind of get your feet on the ground and establish yourself in, say, California.
1: And for those of you that are younger and still think $1,800 is a lot, just wait till you're an adult and you're in your 40s and $1,800 hundred dollars can go just like that
0: exactly it's like (laughs) it's nothing yeah um, but that was really weird. The fact that she would have left her money. She also left her cell phone. So she hadn't taken any of her possessions. It was not the picture of somebody who was 17 years old and running away from home.
1: Yeah. And granted, it's you said it's a Nokia phone. So I'm picturing like one of those candy bars from back in the day. Yeah.
0: It was like they basically described it as a big brick. This yeah. was in 2001.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, it's not like there's a lot of texting going on at the time. But at the same time, you want to have, be connected. Right. I mean, you have Especially if
0: you're fleeing to a place you've not. Not that familiar with, right? So Sarah said, "Me and my brother got swabbed for DNA, but that's it. No one searched the three-bedroom, two-bathroom house." Michael told Sarah that the police didn't care about Alyssa's disappearance, and that when he put posters on lampposts, they told them they told him he should take them down.
1: Now, Michael, did he get swabbed for DNA? No. Why the hell would you swab the kids for DNA? I don't know, Michael. I mean, that'd be the first guy. (laughs) That's like the number one, just to see. Okay. What happened here?
0: I have no idea why. he gave Sarah the impression that he was the only one that was doing anything to find Alyssa. So Sarah said that after Alyssa went missing her dad would talk about Alyssa constantly and tell anyone and everyone about her. She said in hindsight he made a fuss with everyone other than the police. Huh. There's a lot of hindsight here on Sarah's part because she was so young. Yeah. When Alyssa went missing. This
1: is just things you know how we, we think about things like that all the time. Like if if you're in an argument with somebody you wish you can go back and be like oh actually I wish I could say this. Right. You know, it's it's hard in the moment to Absolutely. identify that.
0: So a week after Alyssa disappeared, about five AM, Michael said that he got a call from what he believed to be a California phone number. He told ABC when he was interviewed, the conversation was sort of scrambled. It was one way. I said, Is this you, Alyssa? The voice sounded a little bit different, but then again, I could realize it was Alyssa. And then she, um, she, it was basically as though she pulled the phone away from her and said a few cuss words and stuff about leave me alone. He said then the phone went dead. Hmm. So who knows?
1: Yeah, that's a whole lot of, I don't know.
0: <laughs> exactly. Sarah said that the summer that Alyssa went missing, she began to experiment with drugs and alcohol herself. We uh. already know that Sarah was like getting into smoking and things like that. So basically... It, she was off doing her own thing so she did miss her sister at, but in her mind she had other things going on
1: and also michael's obsessed with her again about every her whereabouts and i get it because his daughter's gone
0: mm-hmm. and
1: sarah's kind of feeling left out a little bit you know like i was saying earlier like kind of jealous almost like you know obviously you don't want to be the one
0: missing right but then all but the, getting the intention yeah
1: it's like he was always you know Harping on her with obviously rules and stuff. That was terrible, but it's like, man, I'm here too. Like, you know, pay attention to me. Maybe give me some rules, you know? Almost like, <laughs> now it's like, well, I'm not going to smoke. I'm going to drink and whatever and just, you know, go down the bad path.
0: Because what do they always say that children actually you know crave crave for those boundaries just like dogs yeah we want to know where where our boundaries lie (laughs)
1: we're all animals here you know if you let kids do their own devices they're going to be eating candy all day and crapping on their pants (laughs) Yeah.
0: she's ashamed to say that as the years went by she almost got sick of hearing about her and hearing her dad tell the same stories over and over
1: right exactly what i anticipated Mm
0: mm-hmm She said, looking back, she was just being a bratty teenager at the time. A couple of days after Alyssa went missing, Michael gave Sarah Alyssa's cell phone because Sarah didn't have one at the time. You know, he didn't change the number or anything, but it kind of had a feeling of like, she's not coming back.
1: You're being replaced. Right.
0: (laughs) So despite this, you know, whole thing about Sarah acting like she doesn't care she said she remembers sleeping in Alyssa's bed each night and wearing her clothes Mm. she said looking back she thinks she was trying to be like Alyssa and trying to fill the void of her disappearance yeah
1: of course you know it's not going to be easy to lose your sister
0: right especially after she's already lost her mother
1: you can say all you want about you know being tough and everything but Mm -hmm. you know you're still a human being it still hurts
0: So for five years, little to no questions were asked after Alyssa disappeared. But in 2006, things changed when self-proclaimed serial killer Thomas Albert Heim, who is also known as Psycho, which is just a lovely nickname. Like the
1: movie or what? No. The movie was a long time ago. Thomas
0: Albert Heim's nickname was just Psycho. Oh, nice. So he gave a Florida prison guard a picture of Alyssa that had been torn out of the pages of USA Today, and he said, I killed her, and I'm going to make you famous. Heimer had been arrested a few months after Alyssa disappeared in Gray, Georgia. He was found driving the car that belonged to 30-year-old video store employee Sandra Goodman, who had been found strangled and stabbed the day before. Mm. Apparently, her body was wedged under a bed in a Fort Lauderdale hotel. Heimer had been sentenced to life in prison for her murder in 2003. Heimer never gave any motivation for murdering Goodman. And three years later, he began writing letters to local investigators claiming that he had killed another 21 people, women typically like Alyssa, who had run away and just kind of disappeared. He described in graphic detail what he did to these women. He said he replicated how he killed Goodman, strangling her to death in a hotel room and dismembering her body in the bathtub before putting the remains in a recycling center.
1: What in the hell is wrong with people? We talk about this every single week, but I mean, none of us can understand. And that's why this whole true crime thing is so fascinating. It's like none of us, hopefully none of us listening to this, can picture just finding some random person on the side of the road that's running away or meeting somebody it's like yeah I ran away from home and it's like okay well I'm going to kill you and dismember you in the fucking hotel room
0: let's hope none of us can possibly wrap our heads around that one and
1: if you are then that's a natural thing occurring in your brain and try to get help because that's not the right thing yeah
0: quickly yeah so detectives from Phoenix PD's missing and unidentified persons unit flew to Florida to speak with Heimer they quickly figured out that his description of Alyssa was not actually accurate he claimed that Alyssa was a heroin addict but this just wasn't true you know when you're into heroin your friends would know there'd be signs it just it wasn't Alyssa.
1: Well, heroin's supposed to be super, super addictive. So you'd probably get a good sense, you know, just right. that the person was doing this. And also you know, their friends. she
0: was still reliable at school. She was reliable at work. There was no signs to indicate that she was taking heroin.
1: Yeah, maybe a little uh, munchies and stuff or weed and whatever. Right. but <laughs> nothing like heroin addiction.
0: And then he said, "Well, I might be mistaken." And he said, "He did kill a woman, but perhaps it wasn't Alyssa."
1: Well, when you kill twenty-one people, it's hard to keep track of which ones which.
0: Right and he said or they said that he also you know tanked his polygraph test too so he he was not her murderer
1: okay and you got to wonder about these guys that are just looking for the, you know the next hit of dopamine so they can be the ones that we possibly the killer. Then they're being researched and all of a sudden they're important again.
0: Well, they want, they want the attention.
1: Yeah. And the notoriety.
0: And the fact that he's writing about these 21 people, it's probably lies in, in the most part. And
1: the problem is you don't know which what is what. So you got to take it yeah. seriously. Then you're wasting resources and crap. And Thomas Heimer is a piece of shit.
0: Yeah. And clearly they waste, they wasted these resources because these guys flew out. They realized he was just full of shit. But on a positive note, Heimer's claims did bring Alyssa's case back into the spotlight, since the story was widely reported with him coming out and saying this. The Phoenix Police Department Missing Persons Unit decided to reinvestigate Alyssa's case in 2008. Of course, this is about seven years after she went missing.
1: New technology and Mm -hmm. new thoughts and internet and stuff, you know?
0: Well, and the fact that when they were told that she was missing it was like oh she went to her aunt's house in california now all of a sudden they're like oh it's seven years later and she's still missing well like, you know what that's a good
1: idea we're gonna investigate maybe this.
0: we should crack this case open again yeah
1: we're gonna start investigating now
0: so they interviewed 200 people who had known her Alyssa's friends had disturbing information about the relationship michael had with Alyssa. sarah said it forced them to finally look into my father
1: it's about damn time you
0: think <laughs> It took police two minutes to realize that something was extremely wrong. Two minutes? Well, this is Sarah saying. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. It was also discovered that when Alyssa first went missing, and I might occasionally call Michael Mike, he went by both. Yeah.
1: Hey, speaking as a Mike, that's okay. (laughs) You're
0: okay with that? Yes. As long as you approve. I'm not representing him. Do you want to know what's weird? I have a very hard time spelling the name Michael.
1: Um, A lot of people do, because it's hard to spell. I mean, M-I-C-H-A-E-L. It's yeah, a, is I it m- A-E or E-A?
0: And I know it's A-E, but my hands on the keyboard want to do E-A.
1: You'd think that since you're married to a Michael, you would have that down pat.
0: I know how to spell your name. It's just annoying to spell, and I don't ever call you Michael. It's
1: part of the reason I go by Mike, because Michael's kind of annoying.
0: Well, it's a nice name. I
1: love it. It's beautiful.
0: Whenever I call you from work, I always say, hello, Michael. You do. But besides that, I always just call you Mike. So... um. When just when Alyssa was first missing, Mike never told anyone that he had gone and picked her up early from school. That wasn't normal. Obviously, you don't get picked up from school on a normal basis. Sure. But he never mentioned that Sarah herself being the sister. She didn't even know until Michael was interviewed on 2020. (laughs) And she actually saw it on TV. She was like, you picked her up early that day.
1: Oh, wow.
0: That's kind of weird. And that you didn't tell me. So that was pretty strange. So Mike said that Alyssa asked him to pick her up early so that she could avoid her boyfriend John that day. She said she wanted to break up with him after school and didn't want to do it at the school. She wanted to do it when they were home and everything was said and done. However, John said that it's very doubtful because just that day, the last time he actually ended up seeing Alyssa, she found him in his classroom to say hello. She told him, I'm getting picked up early, but we'll meet up again later. So went
1: out of her way to say hi and yes, stuff. Yes.
0: And it didn't seem like it was a daunting thing. That it wasn't she we was, have to talk. Yes. It no. was. Hey, I um, like, just hey. want to let you know.
1: Um, my dad's picking me up. Yes. We'll talk later. Okay. Bye.
0: And then friends also said that their relationship was very solid. They saw absolutely no signs that Alyssa was planning to break up with her boyfriend.
1: Okay, so this is fishy.
0: Yeah, and you know how girlfriends are. A 17-year-old girl would tell her best friend, hey, I'm planning on breaking up with my boyfriend today.
1: Yeah, and they'd either be talking her into it or out of it or whatever.
0: Yeah, so the odds of this being true are not good. So despite the fact that appeared Michael had been searching for Alyssa after she went missing, he had never really been cooperative with the Phoenix PD. He was unwilling to undergo a polygraph test or even a real interview. So Sarah basically at this point in time was becoming the point of... Per, the person of like contact within the family to communicate with,
1: and she's still young, yeah. She like, was still, how the hell is that pop? Like, wouldn't uh, as a cop, wouldn't she be like, um, I mean, we need you? I'm sure because he wasn't actively being investigated, so it was just really up to him when he wanted to be interviewed,
0: right? But if the police are reopening the inner investigation, well, now
1: it is, yeah, now he has to sit there,
0: you, you kind of have to. So, on December 11th, 2008, police called Sarah and explained that. That they believe that her father was responsible for Alyssa's disappearance. When speaking with police, Alyssa's friends claim that Michael may have been molesting Alyssa.
1: That's dumb. I mean, especially it it stands out because he had so many rules for her. Yes. He wanted the control. The control. Uh, And that's control. That comes from raping and molesting and all that shit. God, I hate that stuff. He should be be burned alive if that's the, the, the fact.
0: It's horrible. So despite all of this, at the time, Sarah still had no suspicions that her father was guilty of Alyssa's disappearance. Now, you need to keep in mind, too, this is a teenage girl. She's lost her mother. She's lost her sister. And now she's at risk for losing her father. So I don't put any blame on Sarah at this point in her life. Of not suspecting her father.
1: No, of course not. Because you don't want to
0: believe it. She's a kid. She's a child.
1: Yeah, I mean, if, if our son had some information and stuff, I could never, like, you know, he's 13. So, you know, maybe our daughter is 10 or whatever. I mean, Yeah, they're all different. I mean, even a 10-year-old, you're like, you're still a 10-year-old. Right. How old was she at, at that time?
0: At this time, I'm not entirely sure how old she was, but probably somewhere around, okay, because this is seven years later. So she would have been right around 19. Okay. Okay. So, well,
1: at 19, you have more information, but not enough to put it all together yourself.
0: Right. And as all of this is going on, it's basically the pieces of the puzzle are floating there. They're they're starting to fall into place. But at this point in time, Sarah is still believing that her father is innocent uh, and that there's no way that this happened
1: because that's been her thought process her entire life.
0: Yes. So. Sarah also said that her father had never been abusive to her. She gave He gave her everything and anything that she would have ever wanted. She said that her dad was always considerate in giving with her friends. He'd be the guy who would give my friends five gallons of gas if they ran out. He would give them $10 because they needed it. He was outwardly kind and generous. He always helped our neighbors. He gave to charity. He fixed people's stuff. So out of the blue... Around this time, Mike contacts the police to let them know something just completely out of left field. He tells them that he has a new idea as to what could have happened to Alyssa. He said that when he was working at Electrician back in the 80s, he had complained about the working conditions, and he believed that the Union Hall had a grudge against him and went after Alyssa. Now, keep in mind This is something that happened back in the 80s, and Alyssa went missing in 2001. Yeah. And Michael hadn't really worked in this field in many, many, many years. Well, this guy's a psychopath. So this is very strange. Yeah. So when police went to speak with him, Mike was just happening to be outside checking his mail. Police found that he was carrying a knife, two loaded guns, and seven magazines of ammunition at the time that he was out checking his mail
1: holy shit that's That's a lot lot. that's i mean you're expecting to go to war with that kind of stuff
0: so now it's time for the police to dig it a little deeper here and look at the house yeah So in the area where Michael and Sarah lived, about a hundred neighbors had been evacuated from their homes. They stood nearby watching behind the police tape that lined the streets, hoping to see what the hell is going on. Why was I told to get out of my house? Yeah. Why? Well, we'll find out why. So Phoenix police bomb squad and the Bureau of alcohol, tobacco and firearms and explosives were searching Michael's home. Sarah was brought inside and told to take their three dogs outside. All of this is going on, she has no idea why what is happening.
1: He's like an end of the world kind of guy or something or protecting himself or I can't imagine what they're but what you're about to say.
0: So she she has no idea why a bomb squad is at her house until later on that night when she actually sat down and watched the news. She wow. finally figured out what the hell was going on. <laughs> she
1: learned a lot more about her dad from the news than her dad. <laughs>
0: it's really true or 2020 or whatever. So, according to a police spokesperson, it was described as the largest seizure of improvised explosive devices that the Phoenix PD had ever made. IED. Of what they found in this. Is that what it is?
1: IED. Huh. Improvised explosive devices. the hell knew? It it's was like pipe first. bombs and shit.
0: Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. So, police had found more than 28 pipe bombs and other explosive devices, 19 loaded high caliber assault rifles. Two handmade silencers and a van that was filled with gasoline. There was a safe in the house that contained a 98-page manifesto entitled Diary of a Madman Martyr. It was written by Michael.
1: Oh, my God. <sighs>
0: yes. This is... So
1: potentially they could have saved these other kids, too, like Sarah. Or I don't know what he was planning. Well,
0: the the 98-page thing that he wrote write it out. will tell you exactly what he had planned to do. Okay. So he attempted to explain that... This is why he was so well armed what the contents of this manifesto was. He, there were multiple copies of this manifesto found and each addressed to a different media outlet. He told police, like he said, that uh, the Union kidnapped and murdered Alyssa, and they buried her in Desert Center, California. He claimed to have killed two assassins who carried out the hit on Alyssa. Okay, guy. Like very strange, strange things coming through. And he
1: knows where she's buried. I have no doubt that she is buried there. Um, But at the same time, you killed two assassins. Right. Sure.
0: (laughs) Right. So Desert Center, where Michael claimed that Alyssa was buried, was not a place that the family had ever visited. It's a three hour drive from where they live in Phoenix. Sarah believes it was a place that he could just throw out there and just say that that's where she went. Her thought at the time was that people would search the area but find no body. She said that at this point, her dad had been on disability for many years and had all the time in the world to do research. She said that he had gone to California. He had said he had gone to California multiple times to try to search for Alyssa, whether he did or not, she doesn't know. Yeah, I'm sure he didn't. However, Sarah said she did find a map in her dad's things. It was a map of California and it had been marked with specific coordinates. Mm, Good. Right. So she gave this map to the police, but she says it was never investigated. What? (laughs) They're
1: just like, okay, okay. Thanks. Sarah. And then pat her on the head and put it away and throw it away. Pretty much. What? That, that's insane.
0: I know. So in 2003, of course, this is 2008, whatever, nine, somewhere in that area. So yeah, this but is now years before. Yeah. This is two years after um, Alyssa went missing. A right. hiker in Desert Center came across bones, but the gender of the person couldn't even be identified. Wow. Because the desert is a very, very harsh place. Yeah. So I don't know, you know, how that has a, its effect on a body.
1: Yeah. I mean, you would think not a lot of life and not a lot of de- decomposition because of it, but I guess I don't Maybe know. Maybe
0: it's more so. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. It sounds like it must have been because even tests came back completely inconclusive. They could not identify.
1: Wow. Yeah. And usually you can tell that from some kind of DNA or something, right? You would think. Huh.
0: So, Sarah remained on her father's side until about a year after this whole 2020 episode came out. And again, the pieces of the puzzle started to shift together. I mean, even when I'm going to tell you, I'll, I'll tell you more in a second. I don't want to give it away too soon. So
1: You're, you're so mean. I know. We just want to know.
0: <laughs> so at the time the pieces started to come in together, she started to believe that her dad was responsible. And what she thinks happened was that her dad took Alyssa to the middle of nowhere, tried to sexually assault her. She fought back and probably said, I'm going to tell everybody that you're doing this. And then he snapped.
1: And Sarah's just guessing this? This of- is her guessing. Interesting.
0: She believes that then her father killed Alyssa and buried her and just came home and went about his day, came to the school, got Sarah, etc.
1: No offense, but I don't know why we're taking anything Sarah's saying with anything like seriousness because. She's not really a professional in this. So she didn't really even think her dad did it until the very end, and I'm sure. Yeah, you know, I don't, I I don't blame her for thinking that, but why not listen to like investigators who might have an idea of how things happened?
0: So I listened to a lot of things to do with Sarah, her speaking. She and I don't want to say too much right now because it's in the rest of my um no, story. So I'm just gonna go forward, and we'll talk. Keep more reading as we from go. where you stopped. Exactly. So there was also a home video that Sarah found that she didn't recall even recording from when she was little, she was holding the video camera and she had the camera on her dad and her dad kept saying, push the red button, stop the recording, push the red button and stop the recording. But she was a a kid and she was like, no, I want to record myself. So she turns the camera on to herself and then you can hear Alyssa ahead screaming, Sarah, Sarah, dad's a pervert. So she yelled that towards the camera. Yeah. Then, Uh, Michael takes the camera back from Sarah and sees that she actually hadn't paused it or stopped it or whatever. So you could tell he was annoyed. And then he started yelling, "Uh, and Alyssa's a stupid moron. Alyssa's a stupid moron.
1: Make it playful.
0: Right. Well, no, it was kind of, he wasn't really being very playful about it. It was kind of mean. Mm. That's the way that I saw it. And also if my dad called me a stupid moron, it'd probably be a little hurtful. Yeah. But the fact that, you know... Alyssa screamed out to the camera. He's a pervert. Sarah, dad's a pervert. Yeah. You don't yell that about your dad when he's not a pervert. Right. I used to call my dad a pervert sometimes because he <laughs> would pinch my da- my mom's butt. Oh, okay. And I'd be like, dad, you're such a pervert. Right. It's like, well,
1: I like your mom's butt. What yeah, can I say?
0: exactly. If, if but that
1: makes me a pervert, okay.
0: It, the context wasn't that way. You
1: can kind of tell through You can
0: tell from... Yes.
1: Inflection and all that.
0: So, the police search gave a picture of what Alyssa's life was like while she was under Michael's care. They found Many Homemade Notarized Contracts One was dated from 1999, two years before Alyssa went missing.
1: Homemade notarized contracts. Yes. Okay.
0: So this one in particular asked the then 16-year-old to sign her name next to the declaration that Michael Turney had never molested her.
1: Oh, well, that's guilt as far as I'm concerned.
0: Right? I would agree with that. Wow. Um, However, again, Alyssa did tell many of her friends that she was molested by her stepdad, Alyssa's boyfriend, John Lackman, told police that Michael had once taken Alyssa out to deserted land and sexually assaulted her.
1: Alyssa told her friends that she was molested? Yes. She also told
0: her boyfriend. Remember, I told you that when police started talking to people, Mm -hmm. they started to get a picture of something not being so right. Gotcha. So, what it was was that Alyssa had told them. My dad is molesting okay. me. That's,
1: so this is the first time we're hearing it definitively. Yes, definitively, That is yep. a bombshell, basically. Yes. So her friends all said, oh, yeah, yeah, she got molested.
0: Her boyfriend specifically said that Alyssa told her that her dad took her out to the middle of nowhere and sexually assaulted her.
1: So before, before all this happened, obviously. Yes. Because he wouldn't know because she didn't have her phone. So... Oh, man. This
0: was all coming out while Alyssa was still there. She was well and fine.
1: Man, alive! If uh, if if there's other people out there listening to this, and you know about stuff, I mean, you got to report it, right? Right, a
0: hundred percent. And you know, I know it's it's got to be very scary to be in that situ- situation, especially when you're a child and it's somebody that you're supposed to trust.
1: And do it anonymously. You know, if you want, like, you know, if you don't want to be involved in everything, just do it anonymously. It's, send the email or you know, make up mm-hmm. a Gmail address or something. And right.
0: Send it. And and I know it must be just a whole. Horrible situation because, like, where Alyssa is 17, she's got her 12 year old sister. She doesn't want to upheave the whole family because then, if he goes to jail, what's going to happen to Sarah, who's 12? Sure. You know, but you just have to know that you should never be subjected to this kind of abuse. Yeah. The scariest thing that I had read, though, is that a school teacher confirmed that Alyssa told her. That cool. she was being molested.
1: And isn't it legally their obligation to tell people, the authorities? Yeah, that's
0: what I thought. Mm. But it wasn't the case. Mm. So friends also said that Alyssa told them that one night she woke up, gagged and bound and tied to a chair with Michael on top of her. Oh, my God. Very thing. specific things that she would have lived through. Yeah. Michael's nephew, David, had lived with them for about six months in the late 90s. David claimed that one night he came home from work. It was late. Everyone was sleeping. He was going to pop a movie on. He picked up a VHS tape, and it was labeled Dr. Doolittle. When he put it in the machine, he said instead of it being a movie, it was footage of a woman laying on the sofa wearing nothing but shorts and had a newspaper covering her face. He was sure it was Alyssa. In another frame, another woman, possibly one of Alyssa's friends, was also in the room, also wearing nothing but shorts, and also had a newspaper covering her face. Okay. In that clip, showed David, I'm sorry, David's the one telling that, Michael was sitting there watching the two girls. Interesting. And David couldn't understand what it was that he was seeing. Were the girls drugged? Were they unconscious? He couldn't really tell because their faces were obscured from this newspaper. Yeah,
1: you get a lot of information from the eyes and face.
0: Right. But regardless, he was so Taken aback and disgusted by this video that he saw that right then and there, he packed up his things and moved out and didn't tell anybody. Uh, I guess not. Good job. When it did end up coming out, um, Michael claimed that David was just a drunk and that these were all lies. Sure. Mm
1: hmm. <laughs> he's going to lie about everything being like, yeah, no, no. Yeah. Her friends like to make things up. Oh, all 20 of them mm-hmm. or whatever that said you molested her.
0: It's amazing how so many people are liars. And the
1: boyfriend heard it too from her directly. Right.
0: So, police, when they did the search of the house, they found hundreds of VHS tapes and surveillance cameras everywhere, both inside and out. Many of them focused on Alyssa. Some of the um tapes that they found there were showing alyssa even just sitting on the couch like kissing her boyfriend like very creepy and inappropriate surveillance well
1: i'm sure mike was jealous of the boyfriend right the whole story about breaking up she wanted to break up with them like you just wanted to put that out there for yourself you sick fuck
0: exactly and sarah did say that he would often like orchestrate fights between them and try to get them to break up sure so very much a jealous situation there which is so disturbing mm-hmm. so regardless all these like surveillance videos were very weird and there was even one like up in the vents that was like looking down at Alyssa. like well,
1: this guy thinks he's like a big spy and everything right. well obviously i mean he's got a lot of problems he thinks there's a lot of people after him, well which they are because he's a molester and a sack of shit And he's got to protect his house and with all these bombs and stuff. Like, what a complete psychopath. I can't believe there weren't, like, more triggers or something. Like, more people being like, yeah, he was a weird guy.
0: Well, as things come down the pike, then... Like the neighbor said, we called him our psycho neighbor.
1: Okay. So it,
0: everything wasn't as it appeared like, oh, they're so wonderful. Everything's so great. Interesting. So it's like from
1: the Brady bunch. Well, especially once the wife died.
0: Right. Things I I think kind of went downhill from there. I think, I think things gradually spiraled, but, um, the, the strange thing was he even had their, their phone, um, hooked up so that it would record conversations that were both incoming and outgoing. Of course he did. But the strange thing was is on the day that Alyssa went missing, there's no footage of them arriving home and her going into the house as she said she was, you know did, and stormed into her room and blah blah, blah. There's also, on that day that she apparently called at 5 a.m. from California, didn't get recorded on his little system he had set up.
1: Interesting, even though every other conversation is recorded. Yes,
0: exactly. So, just uncanny.
1: And unfortunately, that's not like a guilty thing. That's just more suspicious.
0: So, with everything that they found, they could only get him on the whole bomb situation, the explosives. Yeah,
1: because all the other stuff is just hearsay.
0: You're allowed to surveil your home.
1: Sure, and... All they had was the video. Yeah, just like I said, it's not something that he's guilty of. You can't say, oh, you didn't have the recording of something, so you're guilty of doing this. What
0: about the contract, though? Um, I did not molest you.
1: Well, that's just her signing that I didn't molest you. It's not saying anything else. You can't, like, you know, you can't take steps. Yeah. Like, if it said, I molested you, and now you can say that I didn't, then that's different. Yeah. But.
0: So police were able to apprehend Michael because of the unlawful possession of the pipe bombs in June of 2010. Michael was sentenced to 10 years in prison, but served only seven and was released in 2017.
1: He was released. I can't believe he wasn't the shit kicked out of him in jail.
0: No, no, because he was only taken in for the, the pipe bombs. Yeah. There was nothing about his daughter.
1: But the stories will get around. People in jail get to know that this guy probably killed his daughter. Yeah,
0: maybe. I, and
1: I am upset with the uh, the jailbirds that were in there that didn't beat the <laughs> shit. They out didn't of
0: them. beat the shit out of them. Yeah. So Sarah knew that her dad liked guns. He often went to gun shows. But she said everyone in Phoenix had had a gun. It wasn't unusual. So she was never really alarmed by any of this. Well,
1: she, she grew, grew up of. with it around. She her, grew up with it, so it was normal to her.
0: And things were great for her. Her father gave her the master bedroom in the house... She had even a mini fridge in her room, which her dad stocked with beer, despite the fact that she was only 17. Oh, my
1: God. Trying to make up for the bad stuff he's done.
0: He allowed um, Sarah's boyfriend to move into the house, even though they were only teenagers. Oh, my God. She had her own door to the outside through her room, so she didn't even have to go through the main house. So oftentimes, they weren't really even seeing that much of each other, and she had her freedom. She's got
1: her own apartment, basically, with fully stocked beer fridge. Mm -hmm. Like, she's living the life of a 17-year-old or whatever.
0: Yeah she said it was a teenager's paradise.
1: Eighteen, whatever. She's a teenager, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, but the funny thing was, she was like, "I was seventeen at the time. He let me do anything." And that's the age that Alyssa went missing. He didn't let her do anything. Yeah. So after and again,
1: that's like another thing. Yeah, he's definitely molesting her at the. You know, no doubt about it. But you can't like. There's no smoking gun. No, that's, what you need. that's
0: the problem. So after the death of their mother, Barbara, like I said, Michael kind of became unhinged. He be- this is really where he became, where he was treating his daughters very differently from each other. He said, despite or Sarah said, despite Alyssa being older, he was much more strict with her. She was more rebellious, but what I did hear was that he made it seem so much more out of control than it really was. Like, all in all, she was probably a pretty typical teenager. Sure,
1: like get away with stuff once. Once in a while and come home late and whatever. Did she
0: skip class occasionally? Did she smoke pot and drink occasionally? Yes, but she was 17. She was testing the waters.
1: You would never done any of those things. But a typical teenager, that's not completely out of the bounds.
0: But Michael would search Alyssa's belongings. He would monitor her phone calls. He would even sit in the parking lot at the Jack in the Box and record her.
1: Well, it's like a super protective boyfriend, basically. I actually was chatting with one of our followers on Instagram and she shared something um about a protective boyfriend that um somebody said like oh my boyfriend's so cute he drives me to work and he sits in the car all day until i'm done so that i can go you know go home with him and she's like is it just me or is this not cute and i'm like no it doesn't seem cute at all no and she's like no it's overprotective it's like it's control possession yeah Mm -hmm. and i'm like yeah that's that's sick
0: and also maybe your boyfriend needs to get a life and not sit in the parking lot for five hours while you work well no shit
1: (laughs) wouldn't you like want something better for him
0: it's just crazy though how somebody can manipulate a Person to think that that's cute and not alarming. Yeah. But it's sad how it is. But regardless, he always had this impression that he wanted to keep his eyes on Alyssa and that she was just out of control and basically brainwashed Sarah into believing that he was just being a protective father.
1: Sure. And she's younger and impressionable. So that's just, she just accepts it. You know, you can brainwash your kids to do anything, basically.
0: Yeah. And this is basically the turning point of where Sarah is now starting to see that this is a problem and her father is likely responsible. So six months after Michael was released from prison, Sarah asked him if he was responsible for Alyssa's disappearance. He replied that if she wanted to know the truth, she should come visit him on his deathbed. The two met at Starbucks and spoke for over an hour. She said he was trying to be emotionally manipulative and even got aggressive when it wasn't working. This is where he's seeing the shift. That my daughter who protected me and tried to even get him out of prison for this whole pipe bomb situation is now seeing the light and turning on him. But he continued to say, you will get the truth when you talk to me on my deathbed. So she thought in her head, if this isn't a confession, I don't know what is. It's
1: not a confession yet. It's
0: still not a confession. So she recorded it and took it to the police. But again,
1: again, yeah, I can say anything that they
0: couldn't do anything about it. Wait till I tell
1: you what I did when I die is basically all that's saying.
0: They said without a body, they couldn't do anything about it. And it wasn't a true confession. But Sarah was told when they arrested her father about the whole pipe bomb situations that they were going to get him on the whole thing with Alyssa. And she feels like the police kind of just like let her down and made it her problem.
1: Yeah, they're trying to make her feel better. Yeah. I mean, there's so much they can do. Without new evidence, it's like, nobody and no confession. What else can you do?
0: So the police basically told her that your best bet of getting a prosecution is media exposure. So... You know They left it in her hands to take matters further. So she did exactly what they told her to do. And she did go out and speak on podcasts and, Great. and X, Y, and Z. Um, David, Michael's nephew, also came forward. He said, I don't seek attention. It's not about me. This is about a 17-year-old girl whose life was snuffed out because her stepfather didn't want anyone to know his dirty secret.
1: Absolutely. Mike
0: Turney killed her and the truth will come out. Sarah said that she's grateful to still have memories of Alyssa that aren't tarnished by everything that's happened after she went away. When I think of her, I still think of my tough older sister who taught me how to be tough too. She gave me so much strength that when she or when she was here, now I'm using that strength to fight for justice that she deserves. So Sarah basically at this point made it her mission to get justice for her sister. She cre- created a TikTok account. She advocated for Alyssa's um, you know, justice. She built a case against her father using the social media platform. She also got active on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. She created a podcast called Vo- Voices for Justice about oh, Alyssa's case. I
1: may have heard about this.
0: It's possible and she really got viral. Wow. She had I think over a million tiktok subscribers yeah i
1: did hear about her and
0: she did a great job okay she showed videos and clips of like her father recording Alyssa at Jack in the Box while she was working. Well,
1: that's like um, true crime salivation. That's like, oh my God, this person was in it and has all this mm-hmm. information. And like any tiny detail is so fascinating to those of us that are interested in these stories, you know, because especially this scumbag that should be put to justice when he's just, you know, not admitting anything. Right. Like you want this guy somehow, some way, somebody's going to figure out a way. And it, all of us together, we're going to figure it out.
0: So I did watch a bunch of her TikTok clips. And like I said, it's disturbing because like she even showed the video where. Alyssa screaming Sarah dad's a pervert all of these things and then she did say like the police promised they would put up billboards for her throughout the state they didn't do a single one she had to raise the money to put the billboard up so she made it her life's mission to get justice and how hard must it be to make that decision that my own father did this yep. to my sister. Well,
1: it slowly happens, then you just decide, you know what, he did it.
0: And she she was making it her mission to to have this justice, you know. Very cool. Exactly. So um anyway, it took almost twenty years, but on let me see the date here. I'm so sorry, I just missed it. On August twentieth, twenty 2020 72 year old Michael Turney was arrested and indicted and charged by a grand jury with second degree murder.
1: So how?
0: That's a very good question, and I'm going to tell you there's a lot of unanswered questions that I have. So Sarah posted to Twitter after all was said and done. It took almost 20 years, but we did it. Though police did not say how they came to arrest Michael or whether Sarah's social media efforts helped to solve a list attorney's disappearance – County attorney, Alistair Adele acknowledged that Sarah's social media campaign and he acknowledged us in a press conference. He said, Sarah's Turney, your perseverance and commitment to finding justice for your sister. Alyssa is a testament to the love of a sister because of that love. Alyssa's light was never gone out and she lives on in the stories and photos you have shared with the community. This passion you have demonstrated to her during your journey is something that will keep Alyssa's memory alive forever. It is a complete mystery as to what prompted his arrest.
1: You know, and I I have an idea. And um, Sarah, it's interesting with Sarah. She went from being just kind of, nothing, you know, kind of like not even because, you know, she was taken care of and she was a kid and all she was thinking about was herself at that time. And it, she
0: was told your sister ran away. Yeah,
1: and I, I don't blame her. Then all of a sudden the light turned on. Mm-hmm. Once you decide, my dad did this, that son of a bitch piece of shit and he's sitting here getting away with it this whole time under my nose, under the house that I'm living in, Lied to me this whole time. Yep. She just decided she turned her passion completely on. Like she yes. had none. She, she kind of seemed like, you know, like it kind of just, it was there and it was a fact and she was trying to deal with it herself. But then once she decided, boom, then she just activated everything in her. That's fa- freaking awesome, man. She's-
0: yeah. And it took a lot of courage because there were still people in the family that were on her father's side that would no longer speak to her or lash out to her. Sure. It took a lot of courage for her to do this. And, It's just so strange, though, that it completely drops off as to what's happening. So basically, the only thing I could find out was that just yesterday, they were supposed to have rescheduled his trial, but it has again been rescheduled to September 27th. Okay. From what I'm reading, there's been a lot of delays because of um, the lack of staff in the court system where they are.
1: Yeah, COVID. put right. Everything into a loop.
0: But basically, that's where we end. He's gotten arrested, but he's yet to go to his trial and be actually sentenced. Oh,
1: well, I don't think he'll ever be sentenced. So I think they're just trying to stay like as long as they can to put him because they don't have anything. So I, We don't know. Right. We, we don't they know might, they might and maybe somebody found a body or maybe the, a better technology came out for the body or something and found his fingerprints somewhere that'd be awesome um but at the same time if there is nothing, it's probably political because these attorney generals and things of that nature and mayors and all that—they're they're looked at and it's like this has happened in your city and you're not doing anything about it and you've got millions of people calling the police department all the time from all over the world from because of this viral TikTok.
0: Right, and it's just so sad though that a 17 year old girl fell off the face of the earth and because this man said she ran away, that was just the end of the story. Yeah. I mean, he got away with it. There was no investigation. They didn't ask anybody. They didn't check his car. They didn't check the house. They didn't check anything.
1: The note is probably the one that sealed it. And so he probably wrote it.
0: No, they said it was Alyssa's writing.
1: I can write like you.
0: Mm, I don't think... They said an expert analyzed it.
1: So did he make her do that?
0: It's possible that he made her do it. Or it's possible that she had written it like in the past. Who knows? Because they don't know when she wrote it.
1: Or maybe... Yeah, something to do with calling that aunt and being like, "Listen, you, I need, you need to write this just yeah. so I have this, and then you can go live with your aunt, and I'll just tell everybody you ran yeah, away."
0: It's possible uh. that he he you know coerced her into writing it, and also
1: they're probably trying to grill him like hard, trying to get him to crack.
0: I don't know. From the interviews that I saw of him, he's just to me he's just such a liar. Well, I mean, he's not been tried and prosecuted for it, so I'm not saying. That he's guilty I, I can't am. Fuck I him. can't say that fuck him but,
1: Hope hope and the prisoners need to do take this into their own hands too, but they need to beat him with a bar of soap in a sock, you know that whole thing take him beat him down,
0: yeah, you know? yeah, I mean I just I just hope that when he actually does go to his trial he gets to he gets sentenced to jail forever
1: agreed, and real quick, anything about the manifesto
0: well, it's interesting that you asked that because the manifesto had nothing to do with anything that he had done to Alyssa. Okay. So nothing
1: about Alyssa, nothing about his sister or her sister, anything, nothing, no, the
0: manifesto was all about the union and it basically ended with an operational plan that involved him driving an explosive filled van to the union hall. He planned to shoot any survivors and then kill himself when he got there. So it was crazy. And actually, they believed when they were reading this manifesto that he was close to actually doing this, like maybe weeks away from actually driving to this Union Hall and doing this.
1: So they saw plans or something, whatever it might have been. I mean, he wrote 100 pages, so...
0: And thank God that they stepped in because how many people could have lost their lives that day yeah if he had gone there but it just kind of shows like what this man is capable of
1: so and it's not even like because i was looking at pictures of her while you were having this conversation and um I, i came across something that said solved but it's not really solved i mean they have him in custody But, you know, he he was
0: arrested, but he has yet to go to trial.
1: Yeah. So I mean, that's that's so
0: I don't know that you can call it that yet. Yeah,
1: that's interesting. That's that's a crazy story. And then how about Sarah going from. Kind of uh, uh, holding everything back and you know, withholding things. To I don't
0: know that she was withholding. Not on purpose. No, not. I think she actually believed her dad wasn't capable of it. Of and course. then she got all the documents and things like that and went through it page by page. And we're talking like thousands of pages of information. Yeah. And I think it just all clicked into place. And she went on this like mission to make this happen.
1: Yeah. I mean, it means nothing, but I'm proud of her. Like, I'm you very know, proud of that's her. That's just fantastic. Um, really nice work. And she should be very proud of herself. And Absolutely. Found her calling, it sounds like.
0: And she did like a couple of TikToks, like indicating that she has like social anxiety. So it's not easy for her to get onto TikTok and put her face in the camera and do the things that she's been doing. But she just so badly wants to get justice for her sister that she's doing it regardless. Well, that's
1: what people appreciate, real people. And we all have our things. So go ahead. And if you're, you are know, have some social anxiety, put it out there.
0: Yeah. But. And the whole thing is, too, if you know that something's happening to somebody or you yourself are a victim of abuse... Please, you know, trust that somebody out there will listen to you and get help because nobody should have to live through this and it breaks my heart to think that Alyssa had to live in a home that this was happening to her. Yeah. It's it's just disgusting. It is. And then her life could end like that
1: yep and just saying something earlier you know any but any of her friends could have helped out there but it's also a, a tough situation you're not not trying to blame
0: yeah i can't yeah. imagine how scary it must be yeah but well, anyway
1: hey thanks uh, good job uncovering that and, well, thank uh, you everybody thanks for listening and uh, i want to give a special shout out to all of our patreons patrons patrons from patreon yes and they are lily karen nadine Allie, susan michael kayla s and uh, kelly Thank you all so much. I uh, actually had to edit myself there because I said uh, the last name of the first person. I was like, oh, crap. (laughs) I can't be saying that stuff. So, hey, um, all those users, you know, you get at least one bonus episode every month. And then all the tier two people get um, a bonus episode every other week. And Allison is crushing it on this uh, investigation of all these stories. So thank you. Literally every night I see you sitting there tip tapping away. So hopefully you don't go insane or anything.
0: Well, I did do my research too close to bedtime last night. So I was having true crime dreams. Yeah. Wow. so hey that's th- my
1: fault thanks for the support and again please give us a five-star review on apple podcasts and uh, we'd really appreciate it and thanks for listening and uh, until next time Bye. bye.